You are listening to Hands at Work Audio. For April 10, 2015, in this episode of Going Deeper, we're joined by Dan Wasp, who's sharing his thoughts and reflections on 40 Days of Prayer and Holy Week. So I want to say that there's a, a speaker called Tony Campolo, and uh, he had a, there was a survey that he did a while ago where he asked 50 very old people, so they were 95 years or old, 50 95 year olds or over, um, what if they, if they knew now what, if they knew when they were younger what they know now, what would they do differently in their life? And uh, of course they gave lots of different answers, but the three most common answers that they gave is they said they would risk more in their life. They said they would do more that left a legacy they would do more things in their life that, that would carry on after them. And the third thing they said, which was interesting, is they said they would reflect more. And so these 15, 95-year-olds said, uh, out of, if they knew back then when they were 30 or 40 what they know now, the three things they would do differently or the three answers that came up the most was they would risk more, they would do more that left a legacy, and they would reflect more. And so we could talk for hours just on those three, and I'm not... But uh, the reason why I tell that story is because this morning uh, we, had, uh, we had 40 days of prayer and we had Holy Week. And uh, for many of us, we travelled through them and they've come to an end. And the temptation is to close the chapter on that, to close the book and to just rush off into the next thing. Teams are coming and we just throw ourselves into that. And so what we want to do today and on Monday is just press pause for a little bit and reflect on what we learn in 40 days of prayer and in Holy Week, just because reflecting is important and we can learn from it. And so that's what we're doing uh, this morning as we're reflecting. And so uh, I just want to talk briefly, and I promise you I'm not going to take long, just to uh, talk a little bit about why we do uh, these things, uh, why they're in our diary, why we have 40 days of prayer, why we have um, uh, Holy Week and, we, and Lent, uh, and then we're going um, to allow just a few people I've asked to share some stories of how those times have impacted them, and then we're going to round up, and so that's going to be our morning, so I don't plan to talk uh, for a long time. We know that uh, throughout the Bible, we hear Jesus' call, but Jesus says it uh, it's all over the Bible, but Jesus says it in Matthew 4, uh, he says, follow me. And for all of us, we know that that's the call, follow me, is a call for, for everyone. It's a call for Maxwell as a student as much as it's a call for Omi as an older person. It's a call for, for an educated person and an uneducated person. It's a call for a taxi driver and a pastor. It's, the, it's a call for a tavern owner as much as it is for a nurse. Jesus says, follow me. And for the majority of us in this room, uh, we, uh, we responded to that. We found ourselves in a mess. We found ourselves in the language that we, we use. We found ourselves stuck in a hole. And Jesus came and rescued us. And we allowed him to rescue us. And then he said, follow me. And we, for many of us in this room, we took up the challenge to follow uh, Jesus. He even, in Matthew 28, it says that he doesn't just say, follow me. He says, I'm going to give you the Spirit. I'm going to give you a Spirit to help you. He says, uh, I am with you always, even to the end of age. So he doesn't leave us on our own. But that call, we all know, that call that we answered was to follow 
Jesus. But somehow, uh, after we start following Jesus, life has a habit of clouding in and and somehow that we all, for some of us, will remember that first day that we, we started following Jesus and that excitement and that passion that we, we ran with. And somehow life can just get in the way. And following Jesus isn't actually as easy as we thought it was. And, and things become more difficult and life gets in its way. And we have, to, we have to work at staying focused on Jesus. We have to work at staying um, at following him. We have to... We have to build disciplines into our life that are going to help us uh, following Jesus. Uh, and so we know that many of those disciplines come directly from uh, the Bible, that Christians have been, have been developing disciplines and rhythms and, and practices that for us can help us follow Jesus, that help us stay focused. Uh, so I'm just going to read some of the uh, obvious ones. Prayer helps us stay focused. Meditation, fasting... Uh, study, solitude, confession, worship, uh, celebration, all of these things are things taken directly from the Bible, washing people's feet. The, obvious, the most obvious one is communion. It's Jesus gave us something that can help us refocus on who Christ is and what his death for us. And so we use these things to connect with Christ. And again, we could talk for hours on on why we do these things but one of the reasons why we have these practices why we is to continue to help us follow Jesus to stay focused it's to stop what happens is life clouding in uh, as well as those ones that I've just mentioned uh, we we as Christians throughout the ages developed other practices like church services on a Sunday small groups they we we put those things in place because they help us build community and ultimately they help us follow Jesus well the church uh, throughout uh, kind of the centuries has started to order their year in a certain way and so uh, the church started to order their year with celebrating Christmas in December and then going into Lent and then Holy Week and then Easter and so all of these practices that we kind of inherited from our forefathers and foremothers in the church they all exist to help us stay focused and follow uh, Jesus but the truth of it is the reason why is because <coughs> because we forget we cloud out let me read to you um, uh, John 20 uh, verses 14 and so uh, yeah so it's John 20 and then it's 30, 14 and it says uh, it's just it's at the bit where Jesus um, appears to Mary uh, so he's uh, we've had Holy Week we've, he's uh, died he's been buried in the tomb and then he rises again and then he appears to Mary Magdalene and it says she turned to leave and she saw someone standing there it was Jesus but she didn't recognise him dear woman why are you crying Jesus asked her who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. 
Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I've seen the Lord. She gave them this message. Um, just while I, just to press pause on what I'm saying a minute. Uh, in those verses it says, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. And so let's never, if, if you're sat here for the moment wondering if Jesus' Father is the same Father that you have, then it is. Jesus makes it very clear that his Father is your Father. His God is your God. But that's not what I want to pick up on. Uh, she says she turned, him, she turned to leave and she saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. You know, life has a way, we can have the most intimate relationship with Jesus, but life has a way of sometimes clouding in and sometimes we just don't recognize Jesus. Sometimes life, we just don't see him in our life. Sometimes it's due to situations, it's due to illness, it's due to stuff that people do to us and have done to us, it's due to our past, it's, it's due to mistakes that we've made, but sometimes we just don't see Jesus. Life kind of clouds him uh, out of the way, which is why we put, uh, why it's important to put things in to help us continually uh, refresh and refocus and to see Jesus. Um, I want to tell uh, a little bit of a, a story that for some of you will know. On Easter Sunday, we do uh, this thing here at Hands where um, early, ridiculously early in the morning, way too early for Devon, um, if you'd have seen his face uh, walking in. Uh, we met at quarter past five in the chapel. Uh, we read a, a, a piece of scripture and then we went up to George and Carolyn's veranda where we've done it for the last three years, I think. Um, uh, we, we sit there and we watch the sun rise from behind the mountain. And uh, it's incredible. The sun, uh, you see the sun just start to, to peak up over the mountain. And, and then it, it grows and it grows and this glorious red ball of sun comes up and, and it speaks so, so clearly of Christ rising, of Christ being of a new dawn, of, uh, of a fresh new start in our lives and, and of resurrection. And we watch that and it thrills us. And that moment where you see, and it happens quickly, the sun rises quickly if you've ever watched it, you feel like you're waiting forever and ever and, and it's cold and... and You've, you're holding on to your coffee and you're thinking, geez, I just want to eat. <laughs> and, and you wait and you wait. And then all of a sudden, the first bit of the sun comes up and then it happens very quickly. Within, uh, within minutes, actually, the whole of the sun's up and you realise Christ has risen. And you look at each other and we celebrate. And so this Easter, with anticipation, this Easter Sunday, we sat on George's veranda and we waited for the sun to come up. And do you know what happened? We couldn't see it because it was cloudy. So we had to have faith. We, we trusted the sun was up. We knew the sun was up. It was even starting to feel warm. But we couldn't see it. We couldn't see the sun risen because it clouded. There was clouds in the way. And for me, that was such a clear picture of what sometimes life is like. We have to trust Christ is risen. But sometimes life gets in the way. Sometimes clouds, life clouds our vision of Christ rising and we just don't see it. Like Mary meeting, standing beside the person that she'd just seen on a cross, she says, where have you put him? And she just doesn't recognise him. That happens to all of us. And so, because that happens to all of us in our work, in our life, in our marriage, in our relationships, 
we lose sight of Jesus. We put things in place through, that we've, like we talked about, some that are biblical, some that, uh, that we developed as Christians, and some that, that the church developed throughout the ages. We put things in place to help us stay focused uh, on Christ. As you know, um, at Christmas time, all of us have different traditions at Christmas. Um, we all have different things that we do at Christmas time. For some, like Never, it's boiling a pig's head and, and, uh, and getting friends together and, and maybe going to church. Uh, for some of us, it's exchanging presents. I know we were talking last night and Jackie last Christmas. It was her first Christmas here. And so she encountered a whole new set of traditions that she'd never encountered before in exchanging presents and having doing these things on uh, Christmas morning, which was brand new uh, to her. And so all of us have Christmas traditions, some that are handed down to us from their things that we did with our parents and their things that our parents did with their parents and they're kind of handed down for us. But for some of us, when we get married, we make our, we make our own new traditions. It's part of the fun of starting a family is you say, you know, I loved what we did with my parents, but um, we're going to ignore that. We're going to keep that one that's been handed down to us, but we're going to do a new thing. We're going to have a big breakfast on Christmas morning, or we're, gonna, we're not going to do Christmas morning. We're going to go to the beach, or whatever it is, we start new traditions. And that's kind of, in a way, what we do at hands, is there's many biblical things that we've taken that, that we use to help us stay focused. Prayer meetings small groups, worship, study of the Bible. They're things that, that we know are good. And then there's things that we, we borrow or we, we inherit from the church from ages, like Lent and Holy Week, that we decide we're going to draw that into our community. And then there's things like 40 days of prayer that we, we come up with ourselves, that are new traditions that we say, this is something that, that we want to do to help us focus. But, but all the time it's with the view of staying focused on Christ. And so, are these things the only way? Of course they're not the only way. Do you need a prayer meeting to make sure that people pray? No, of course. But, but it's important that we take Monday mornings when men praying together, ladies and women praying together on... I said ladies and women, like there's some ladies and some women. <laughs> I, should, I should have just said one or the other. Um, women praying together on Tuesdays, um, us coming together as a community on uh, Monday mornings, of course, prayer happens without it, but it's important to put it in our diary. We have small groups. Now, do people care for each other without small groups? Do people look up? Well, of course they do. All the time, over, all over the place, people are caring for each other at hands, but small groups are a place that we, we structure in to make sure it happens. <coughs> do we worship together if we don't come together specifically to sing? Well, of course, we know that worship is, is part of our lifestyle. It's something that, that all of us do in different ways, but we still bring ourselves together. Um, and so that's, uh, that's why we do these things. And so specifically about 40 days of prayer, we know that should we, and I'm going to ask a question now, but I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, okay? Uh, maybe I'll start with Holy Week. We know that we should remember Christ's sacrifice and his death daily, that that should inform our conversations, our decisions, that, that when I'm talking with Phil about something difficult, I know that Christ died for him as much as Christ died for me. This 
this should inform our life daily, but we forget, life clouds out, we get distracted, work comes in. And so we put Holy Week in as a specific time, Lent and Holy Week, to, to spend time reflecting on that as part of our year. We know that in terms of 40 days of prayer, we know that the one thing, so Holy Week is there because we know that we should remember Christ's death, but we want to be focused on it. 40 days of prayer. You know, the one thing, other than Christ, the one thing that we all have in common in this room is that, on the whole, we're here because of the most vulnerable kids in Africa. We have Christ in common, but particularly for those of us, but for those of us that, uh, that have travelled or given up, we're here because we've, we heard a call on our lives that we wanted to be involved in caring for the most vulnerable children. That's what brings us together. Am I right? So, I want to, like I said, I'm not going to ask you to put your hands up, but how many of us pray daily for our kids and for our communities and for our caregivers and for our care workers? Daily. It's, it's what brings us here. It's why we're here, right? It's, the, it's when our parents ask us. It's when Haman visits his brother on the way to going on holiday and he says, what are you doing with hands? It's the, it's the answer Haman gives him. He says, I'm called here because we care for kids in the most vulnerable communities in Africa. It's why we're here. And so the question is, how many of us daily pray for our kids and our communities and our caregivers? And that's, I don't ask that question to judge us. I say that if, if we're honest, sometimes life gets in the way. Sometimes life clouds out the, that vision of why we're here and we don't do it. And so we put 40 days of prayer in, not because some of us do do it, some of you uh, do it twice daily, but we put 40 days of prayer in because it's a time that we can actually come together and play, pray intentionally and specifically for over a period of time uh, for our caregivers and for our kids and for our communities. Now, it shouldn't be the only time that we pray, but it helps us remember. And so these, these two disciplines... We put them in to help us stay focused, to help us, when we heard that call to follow Jesus, these help us follow. And so, if you're sat here and you're thinking, that's great, but they don't particularly help me, that they don't, Holy Week and, and Lent didn't do it for, for me, or 40 Days of Prayer didn't do it for me, first of all, that's okay. That's, that's because this is one reason that we do these things is to help us follow Christ. But the other reason we do these things is because it helps us. It doesn't just help you, it helps us. These things aren't necessarily for your benefit, they're for our benefit. And there's a big, there's a big difference. Uh, if you're sat there thinking, uh, I don't need these things to remember, well, one, I would, I would love to, I doubt any of us don't need disciplines to help us remember. Uh, but like I said, they're not actually about you or about me. They're about uh, us. As a family, you know, all of us are part of families. As a family, you have to do things in a family that help us connect with each other that aren't necessarily you, what you would want to do. I do many things with Marley that I wouldn't choose to do for my own enjoyment or for fun, but I do it because in doing it, it helps me connect with Marley. It helps our relationship grow. And so sometimes it grows Marley and I closer together than it does ever grow me, grow my knowledge or 
grow my intelligence. Does that make sense? Watching a program or reading a book on the first person <coughs> to, to go into space, I don't want, I don't care who the first person to go into <laughs> space is. Um, I um, and I don't need to know about it. But that's not why I do it. I do it because Miley's interested in it. And so sitting beside him and reading the book is more about me and Marley than it is about me gaining uh, knowledge. And so for this, for 40 days of prayer for Holy Week, and all of these things that we put in, uh, in, our, in our diaries and in, in our structure, all of these practices and these rhythms that we have to try and help us stay focused and to follow Jesus, they're as much about us as they are about you or me. Um, you know, to say it even harder maybe, immaturity says, I don't like that and I don't want to do it and I'm not going to. But maturity says, one, what can I learn from this? But secondly, how can I be used in this? How can, how can me sitting beside Jared doing this, how can, how can I be used for Jared in this? How can I connect with Jared in this? That's what maturity uh, does. And so we put in these practices to help us grow spiritually. And, and we've, like I said, we want to reflect on uh, what God has done in and through us as a family in those times. And so I've asked a few people if they would, uh, if they would just share specifically about some of how God spoke to them during Holy Week, during the Stations of the Cross and during Lent, and also during 40 Days of Prayer. And so um, those of you know that you've been asked, and so you can, it doesn't matter if it's a little bit chaotic, you can just take it in turns and stand up. Maybe I'll pick on Jackie to go first, and then uh, you can go around afterwards. I've asked Neva to share, and, uh, and Diane, and uh, Brenda, and Boosie. And so you don't have to go in that order, but you can just share a little bit. Is that okay? I've been in a Pentecostal church. So I remember just some of the responsibilities that were given to me to, you know, to be involved in preparing for, especially the the stations of the cross. Um, it was amazing because I remember really following Morgan all over the place. Saying, what is that? She told me Google it. <laughs> I've never, I don't know what this is, but um, I really got a, a great experience from, from just being part of that. Um, and I think that the way you've explained everything here is so true. One, I had an opportunity to work with, with Devon and Celine in preparing the stations. And of course, in doing that, it, it required me to as well dig into what what is this? What am I I'm bring the tomb. What what about the tomb? I mean Jesus like where I am that is history. Um, but just in doing that I wanna say that one as as we did that particular station of the tomb and and I know questions like I think one I want to name names but one of my team members asking so is Jesus still in there? Is he already resurrected? And we're thinking, no, he's still there. You know, and, and what does that mean? And you know, just thinking through all that opened my eyes to many things. And I think part of the things that my I thought about is this, 
Jesus and the people that followed him, followed him because they knew this is the king. This guy says he's the Messiah, he's coming to deliver us, he's coming to, and all these expectations that the disciples had. And, and, and leaving their careers and leaving everything behind to follow this king, to follow this Messiah. And, and as I prepared that station, imagining those people who left everything to follow Jesus and get to the tomb and to look in there and think, what? This guy is dead. Like I left my work, I've left everything to follow him and now, He's, he's dead. And I thought about my life and just what, how that applied to me. And it, it didn't even, it was so clear to me how many tomb experiences I personally have experienced where I've left, you know, I've left, I left my friends. When I got born again, the friendships that I had to cut from, um, I left, you know, just many things that I put up, relationships and, you know, whatever things that were close to me at that point. But I thought, you know what, if I'm going to follow this king, I have to, you know, certain things just have to stop. And, and then, what does it mean to follow him, follow him, follow him? Of course, as you follow him, you expect my things will be better, uh, things will happen in a particular way. And then you follow and you get to a place where you realize, what? Jesus is inside the tomb. He's, these things are not coming through. And I know I gave a funny example with being single and saying that all of the years, every year, I, I, I think this year, Jesus there is going to be resurrected. Like, he's going to show up this tall, dark, handsome. Um, Said I let all those others follow this Jesus to show up in that for me. And as I go, I find what 2015 is here. <laughs> I'm still single, and Jesus is lying there. And so, really, for me, it was, it's interesting that I say that, and it's funny, but it is a reality of just how many things in life that we we live and think we follow Jesus because it will be better. And then when it doesn't happen, you think. You know, what is that? And so for me, during this time, that is just one of the many things. I know Dan is sitting next to me specifically because I'm known for talking a lot. <laughs> so he said, I'm going to sit so that I can, you know, tell you your time is up. But I could go on sharing just other things that this experience was for me. But um, yeah, that particular two one is one of them. So. If I could go after Jackie, just, is that okay? Only because I want to, Jackie says she didn't know about the stations or the scriptural way of the cross, and I have the opposite experience. Because I grew up in a church and in a school where every Friday during Lent we did this, the stations of the cross. And I can still, it's been, I'd like to say 25 years, but I think it's been 30 years, <laughs> that I can still say, we adore you, O oh God, and we praise you. Because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. I can remember these things that we would say as we went about the stations and the incense and everything else. And back then I had 
You know, I had the head knowledge of who Jesus was. I knew he died on the cross, but I've never been able to do them since I was born again. And so for me this time, it was a great time to reflect, like you're saying, on what I did growing up, but now what it means to me in my heart, not just in my head. And so um, going through those and taking the time to reflect on them and not just do them as an institutional way and not just go about them through the process, but go about them with the heart um, and take the time through each of those stations. Um, and and I, one of my favorites, of course, was the cross. And as we had to carry the cross, and we carried it just that short little way, and it was heavy, and you think about, you know, you, you want to reflect on the weight of our sins that Jesus carried. And I know for myself, the weight of my sin is too much that someone else should have had to carry it at all. It should be my responsibility. It should be my burden. But he carried that. And it's too much. And then I think, but he carried it for Alec and Melissa and Sydney and Drew and Craig and Celine and everyone in this room, and not just us, but everybody who's ever lived on the face of this earth and whoever was yet to live. And then you think of that and you're like, wow, mine is heavy enough. And so for me, that's, that was a really special time to just take that time and really reflect on it, now knowing in my heart, not just in my head, what Jesus did for me. I can follow Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this is my second home week. Yeah. Slumberland, uh, next home week. My apologies, everybody. We have an appointment in now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so this is the second home week that I've experienced um, formally, I guess, um, with Stations of the Cross and, and doing the week long readings and everything like that. And um, yeah, as, I, as Dan asked me to share this morning, it's reflecting on sort of what impacted me from Holy Week. And I think the, I think many of us would agree, the book that we read was, um, was sort of the highlight for me. Um, and I usually don't do well with sort of structured reading times and everything like that, but the book itself and the content and the fact that it was mostly scriptural, I think, um, was for the first time ever, um, I really felt like I was able to engage with the Easter story in a way that I'd never engaged with before. And feeling like um, day by day as you're reading, being able to walk with Jesus um, and sort of getting a glimpse of what he went through um, morning, afternoon, evening, what he was feeling um, as he was leading up to, to, to being on the cross and leading up to Easter. Um, and so throughout the week, um, I was challenged in thinking about God's love for us um, in a completely different, in a completely new way, um, one that felt much more significant to me than it ever had before, um, and thinking about Jesus' sacrifice for us. And it's not like I didn't know this before. You know, as Christ followers, we know, my friend was saying, we know the stories, we know the parables, we know the story of Easter, we know what God, what Jesus sacrificed, and we know God's love for us, but it hit me in a much more significant way um, during the Holy Week this year than ever before. Um, what really brought this to light for me was our Tuesday evening reading, um, when we read about the parable of the vineyard owner. Um, 
and again, you know, have heard this parable and heard this story many times before, as many of us have. Um, and we know this is a story well. You know, the vineyard owner sends servant after servant to this vineyard that he had left for a long time to collect fruit. And the tenants who had taken over the vineyard beat and eventually killed every single servant that was sent. And so finally, you know, the vineyard owner, you know, has one person left to send. And it's his beloved son, his one and only son, whom he loves so much. And in the hope that um, the tenants would respect the son, his one and only son. But knowing that, you know, his son would likely meet the same fate as all the other um, servants that he has sent. Um, and so as I was, as we read that story on the Tuesday evening, as we were walking back to the house, I was just talking about it, and I was like, yeah, it really struck me. And maybe it's because I'm going to be a mother soon, and so I'm looking at it through a different lens. I just kept thinking about how is it possible that this vineyard owner would send his son, knowing that his son would die. He's seen servant after servant being beaten and killed, yet when the time, when the time came, he still sent his one son, hoping that the, the tenants would react differently. So I just kept thinking about that and telling her, I'm like, how is that possible? I just don't, I don't understand how he could do this. And I think at the end of it, I think what I realized was I'm never going to understand the vineyard owner why he did that. I'm never going to understand um, the magnitude or the significance of, or just why God would send Jesus to die for us. Um, and so, yeah, that was really hard this year. Um, yeah, and so what I've come to realize is just this mysterious love that God has for me and for all of us and the fact that he did send Jesus and that Jesus sacrificed his life for us. I'll never understand the magnitude of that, but this year I was hit with just how, what that means for me and how significant that is for all of us. So, yeah. So Nev is just going to share a little bit about 40 days of prayer. Yeah, for me, the 40 days of prayer as a, as a growing man in the community, it played a, a very big role. Because, you know, I've grown in the community from as a kid. And I didn't see the, the vulnerability of the vulnerables, you know. And coming to hands, growing here in hands, then the 40 days of prayer. For me, the 40 days of prayer has just wake up me mm -hmm. and thinking of, you know, I've been there in the community. I saw everything. I know if they talk about pool, but to me, I didn't think of the other kid who's next to me that is really experiencing how it's to be poor. But praying in the 40 days of prayer every day and being part of it, it has just made an impact in my life. You know, because every time I pray, that picture of the king, that picture of the God, the Kerwakers, it's playing while I'm praying. And it gives me a, a courage. So I'd like to say thank you for the organizers too, for the good timing, for especially for the maintenance team. And also for the good time and it was in there. Thank you.
Jackie, and also uh, later obviously see I'm not coming from a background where I knew about land and what we can start and I remember um, the first time I even heard about land, I had to ask more questions, why does it, why do they do it, like all those things. And just in maybe just uh, working with older led to life that you know, I, I don't want to miss um, The way it was is moving, I want to be part of that. So I think that attitude helps me to be open to what I don't know because I'm like, hey, what people to say, they know I'm left behind. So last year I did land because I wanted to experience and know, and then I can speak from the experience. And then, of course, um, I started participating in holiday class, and it was difficult, I didn't get anything from it, until afterwards I took the book and I went to the retreat, and it just really ministered to me, and I came back and shared with some of the leaders to say, that book was hard, but it really um, transformed my life, and I, you know, read it in my own time. So this year I just felt, the beginning of the day was busy for many of us. And coming to Holy Week, I had such anticipation to just want to be, you know, at the place where I can sit and listen to whatever that comes my way. And as Dan says, the book we did this year was perfect. It was at 90% working for So you sit and listen and for the first time, just feeling like you are walking with Jesus as you listen to the scriptures being read. And um, it, it just helped, uh, like some of the people have said, I, I think for me just being able to have space before the Easter weekend to think about what is this all about, what does it mean to me, where am I at, where am I personally for God in my life. So I came to this whole week this year with that, the explanation to say, God, I'm, I'm drowning, I, I need you, and to have to meet with me in, in, a, in a particular way. So all those evenings are shown that with the chapter, and it's like, you, you better show up here, because I'm here because of a Holy Week event, I'm here so that you can walk away and say, this is what God did in me on the Easter of 2015, and maybe being in a place where you can see something has changed, not just the event happened and there I go away, but really being in a place where change has happened because I was desperate for God. So for me, it was huge, but there are just a few things that stood out for me. Um, of course, the day we, we read was a little bit dramatic as you realize that we could, you know, do well with the king of but just that part that I, I had to read again and again so that I can flow with the meeting, that was where Jesus had to save his disciples before his death. And for the first time when I understood that, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. Yet he saved him, the meal, he washed his feet, and I, I looked at my life and thought of people driving nuts. I'm like, I always justify myself why I don't want to speak to that people or why I don't want to do good to that people. But I'm like, if Jesus did this and he knew this man was going to betray him, 
Well, of course, on the um, um, sunrise service, I came with such uh, fulfillment in my heart to say this is the hope of our salvation. We are coming to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, even when things get tough. You know, Jesus has resurrected, he's alive. Our faith is real, it's true, and I've experienced him ministering to me that um, whole time of holy. And I challenge some guys to say, let not these things be an event. Let them transform our lives so that we can walk saying, I met God there, I met God there, and this is why I'm here. Because that helps us to walk with those who are struggling and to minister to those who Thank you. I, I was Thank you. So, I want to, we're going to finish now, um, uh, but I love what Boosie says, is uh, to challenge, the challenge for all of us is to not let these things become an event. Uh, the truth of it is, is if we know that if we only pray on a Monday morning in our prayer meeting, then we miss God in the rest of the week, and we don't do that. And so if we only choose to uh, these, these practices that we've put in of 40 days in prayer and of Holy Week, they should ripple out throughout the year. There should, be a, there should be something left in you from 40 days of prayer that carries on today and tomorrow. And so what I want to do is um, uh, maybe just in the last uh, five minutes, we can acknowledge God's presence with us here now uh, and uh, in our hearts and then we can ask ourselves and ask God uh, quietly to ourselves we can ask him what, what do you want what do you want to carry on from 40 days of prayer in my life what, what is it that you want to do do you want me to commit to praying for our kids every night before I go to bed do you want me to stick a picture of a kid on our fridge so that I invest in one family in prayer what is it that God wants us to do from 40 days of prayer? And we can ask that question. And then again, to look at Holy Week and to look at Lent, we're not going to meet every night at the chapel uh, to read again until maybe next year, until Christmas. But what is it God wants to carry on for you over Holy Week? Is it that God wants you to take a holy five minutes each day as opposed to a holy week where you... Where you and Jackie just shared so vulnerably and so honestly, and so I hope we didn't miss that. Do, are we going to take five minutes each day to look into our own tomb, to look at what died in our own life, and to face it, and to be honest with it, and to say, God, this died, and, and I don't know whether you're going to resurrect it or not, but I want you to, but at least to acknowledge it, and to look at it, and to name it, and to, to bring it out in the open. Are we going to do that daily? Are we going to allow ourselves to face and to name those things? And so they're my two questions for us, that we can, if we can just, in our own hearts, acknowledge God's presence here with us and then ask ourselves and ask him, what do you want to carry on from 40 days of prayer? What from Holy Week do you want to do? You wanna do? What do you want to heal? What, what daily can I, can I do and to die to? Or what can I need to face to? And so we're going to... We're going to just take a few minutes of silence. Thank you for joining us. www.handsatwork.org